What's up, guys? Welcome back to Fantasy Foreplay, where you can't come first without a little foreplay. We are back after a very short hiatus. Uh, we had a lot of trouble coming up with the what we were going to do for this podcast. We thought maybe do a mock draft, but I don't want you sons of bitches knowing my strategy. Uh, I thought maybe we could do a rankings episode, but then I thought, nah, I don't want people to know where I have players as far as who I want to reach for. So it took a while. Now we just decided, uh, basically today we're just going to talk injuries, um, contract situation, news. We're going to go through these situations. So that way anyone who's drafting, when you see a cue next to the player's name, uh, you know what that cue means. Uh, and that's what this podcast is about today. But before we get into all that, I have Big Dick Johnson, Mr. BDJ, Lionel, and... The original Big Dick Johnson. And unlike Renee, I will tell you who I'm going to draft. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because no one wants who the fuck you're picking, Lionel. But um, So I've got, we've got Lionel here and the originator of the Wandered, Mr. Juan Aranda himself. What's up, boys? <laughs> so much different than Lionel's introduction. So he always has to say some fucking horrible shit. So that was so educated, good manners. I love that one. All right. So before we get into any uh, content of the you know the injuries and all that stuff today, let's um, we've had a few changes in our league. Uh, the first of which we you know a lot of leagues kind of always struggle to find a means to organize draft position and this year we struggled to come up with a good one because you know everyone's apart obviously you can't really get together there's not really any kind of races or anything like that. i mean i guess we could have based it off of something like that but we decided to come up with the idea to hold an ncaa bracket to name the league now i'm not gonna lie the shit got pretty feisty i know people were getting pretty pissed off about the positionings and all this stuff i know for a fact that <laughs> Well, I guess I don't know, but I have my speculation that there were certain people that submitted names to maybe get a later draft pick, which I think, you know, smart, it's manipulative, but it's smart. And uh, right now these are solely, you know, speculations, but I have my suspicions. <coughs> Rita. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, what did you guys think about the whole bracket? Out of curiosity, how did you determine like the initial bracket like the order of that oh i randomly like one to 16 two against 15 you know but this is not really a ranking you know i randomized the initial match matchups is really what it was uh, I, I found an online bracket generator um and it just randomized all the positions and the you know basically just based it off of that but instead of making it like that a ranked bracket um we just kind of put everyone up against each other. I realized I was so pissed off. So my submission was La Liga. La Liga Loca. I like it. I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. I thought it wasn't that bad, but yeah, I was, you know, like I wasn't upset that I lost in the first round until I realized immediately like, okay, I'm officially in the bottom half of the draft position. Like just like that one round and boom, I'm in the bottom half. Yeah. <laughs> It became my goal to get a hold at least of the of the seventh pick because, you know, I don't like picking from the turn this year. Normally it's something that I do like, but I feel like as the draft goes on, what ends up happening is you end up 
having to really reach for certain players. So I, I'm kind of glad at least I fell somewhere in the middle. Um, I like where it places me in the first round. I have my ideas of who may or may not fall to me. But both of y'all got really lucky. Both of y'all made it to uh, to the lucky. last last round. <laughs> lucky. Michael Vick's Playhouse. I woke up with that, and that was lucky. Honestly, that was, that was my favorite one. Activity out of my mind at seven a.m. in the morning. How did you come up with Michael Vick's Playhouse? That is that is and why interesting. and why didn't you call it Doghouse? <laughs> Damn, that's a good uh, idea. I thought Playhouse just sounded like fun uh, initially. I didn't think of Doghouse. That's actually pretty good. But Playhouse is also not like it's lighter in the face of like Michael Vick, you know, like, it's like yeah. okay, it's fun. It, you, know? you know what you're alluding to without actually saying it. I like that that it, it just it's like we're not actually addressing it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think the fact that you changed it to Michael Vick's Playhouse is um, you would have ended in a very different place if it was Michael Vick's Doghouse. There's a lot of dog lovers <laughs> in this league. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a slick move, and then. Um, Juan, I honestly can't even remember your submission at this point. That's cool. It was the the EAW. Oh, Ida win. That? that was a good one. Ida win. That, that? Like, that was a good one. I voted for it a few times. What was that, Lionel? What is Ida win? Like, you don't remember it's that? From the the James Winston's speech. Yeah. Where he's yeah, like, no, I don't. I'm, an, I'm hungry for a W. We're going to eat a W. And then he like put his, puts his fingers in his mouth all gross. <laughs> you see, the, he's like, my, my favorite part of that video, Deshaun Jackson in the background looking at this dude like, motherfucker's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I that was very racist what I just did. I just realized that. So <laughs> glad that this is documented eternally on podcast form. <laughs> the funniest part though was I remember now he didn't actually say what he was doing first. He was like, you know what this is? And he puts it in his mouth and everyone's looking at him like, what's going on? And he's like, like that's a W. Getting his fingers. We're going to eat a W. <laughs> yeah, that's where that came from, Lionel. Yeah, so that got me second place. Uh, Lionel, I believe, sabotaged himself into third. Don't know the strategy there, but uh, honestly, I not a bad strategy if you have Zeke Elliott uh, and Saquon ranked at the at the same place, or maybe if you're a little bit higher on Zeke, because it's gonna end up getting you a better second round pick. And it, where you guys That's are, true. there's a chance that maybe one of Travis Kelsey, George Kittle falls there. So it's George a pretty Kittle slick it. move. So and not only that, like, well, no, I guess either way, y'all would have been able to snipe one. You, you, you both are going to be sniping each other in the in the draft. Yeah, yeah, back to back. It it'll be interesting. Um, I think it's funny that you mentioned the turn on the on the back end. Some so I've been I've been mock drafting mock drafting damn like crazy. Uh huh. And. I've kind of realized that when you're drafting at the turn, like it's great at the beginning, right? Like I, I'm so happy I'm going to get Saquon. Everyone can just cross that off their list. I you know you're, you're getting Zeke just so you know. Um, yeah, sure. But I find myself that like you just have to get yourself in the mindset that you need to rank like eight guys as evenly in the third, right? Because they might be like in your head, you have to, you might think like, well, they normally go in the bottom of the third, but if you want them, like you're going to need to just reach for them and that goes for yeah. the fifth and et cetera. Like, you just have to rank them evenly regardless of whether or not you're reaching because you're going to go 20, uh, 22 picks without going again. Yeah. See, and that's, that's exactly the, the point. If any, any draft that you do, you're going to reach for the players that you want. The question is how far are you having to reach? Because let's say you know, you're at the top of the third and maybe you want, I don't know, who's a player that's going in the third? Maybe you want like... Um, Maybe you want Amari Cooper, or maybe you want Allen Robinson or Adam. That's Thien. a good one. 
right? Yeah. And those, those guys, are guys are going late third. Yeah, late third. But you're faced with a decision where do I take uh, maybe a James Conner? Do I take um, maybe a Chris Carson ahead of these guys? Because at the in the beginning of the third, these are the last of the workhorse running backs, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of stuff to consider with all that draft position. I'm, I'm glad I got stuck in the middle, but let's talk about the, we've talked about the back turn middle spot, what you guys all did. Um, I want to talk about how perfect it is that Mr. Auto draft himself. <laughs> <laughs> the one, up. Mr. the one, the eternal, the Seaver. Two years in a row. Christian McCaffrey. Two years in a row. Oh, no, yeah. last year he he didn't get the one. Last year he got the right, two. But, but he got McCaffrey. He got Saquon was going number one. He got, But he got McCaffrey. So he yeah. gets McCaffrey again. But the funniest part is this. I thought about making a, a, or submitting a name based off of the podcast, something fantasy foreplay based. But then I thought, no, because then if people see that, they're going to assume it's me and um, – I was afraid that people would downvote just because they don't want me to get the one-on-one, which <laughs> like I, I would have, I would have done something like that. Right. So I, I avoided doing that. Lionel did not submit anything like that. Juan, you did not submit a damn thing like that. And who submits national fantasy four play league, but I Sieber. It. <laughs> it's hilarious that Sieber won. It's hilarious. I, Sieber won with that name. I didn't do it. Cause I thought one of you was going to do it. And then, and then when I found out it was Seaver, I was like, oh my gosh, of course. And I don't even think he was trying to be like clever and like, you know, play on the pod. Well, obviously he played on the podcast, but what I mean is I don't think he thought he was going to win with that. I thought he mailed it in. Like, I, figured, props, like, I, whatever. I don't know. It, it, whatever, however it went down, it's kind of perfect. And also I do think like there was a lot of really great names, uh, but considering that, you know, we just started this podcast for this league. Every year we do a little bit more for this league. It gets a little bit bigger, a little bit cooler. Um, I think it's kind of cool that we're kind of zoning in on, on a, like a real league identity. Everyone's returning this year. Uh, the stakes are higher. We've raised the, the entry fee. Um, and we got a brand new trophy, by the way, which is fucking awesome. And I took, it, I took the liberty to go ahead and name the trophy the Woo. This is perfect. The Woo! Gets the first spot, gets to name the league, gets the trophy will, we have after to, him. Yeah, we have to credit Cebu with the Cebu. But you know what? It, it's got a good ring to it. The Woo. I want it's the good. Woo. The, was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about as, as far as the league? Um, oh, you know what? Um, okay. So this year I was thinking... Because I, I'm, I'm, I know we have our league on Sleeper, and I, I really like the Sleeper app. I think it's a fun app to use. Um, but I am not sure. It, the, the, when I'm setting up the draft, it hasn't allowed me to put in IR spots. So I don't know if I can put them in after the fact. Um, would you guys be opening to – right now, we, our league has so far been a six-bench league. Would you be interested in – and we'll have a vote on it if you guys are interested in it. Maybe going to seven bench or eight. I'd say seven. Seven. Um, real quick, I looked it up, and you can put IR spots in in the sleeper. Oh, you can. Yeah. So oh. I just I looked it up. You can. I haven't read the whole article yet. I don't know if it has to be after the league is created, um, like after we draft, but but you can. 
I think having seven bench spots could be fun anyway. Is it going to be one spot then or two? Uh, well, yeah. So if we do seven bench spots, let's do one IR spot. Fair enough. I'm not, um, I'm not opposed to it. I feel like I like the idea of making tough decisions as far as waivers, but I also like the idea of not having to make as many tough decisions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I just want the extra spot so that I can draft Antonio Brown. Oh my gosh. Rest him for eight weeks. <laughs> Rest him for eight weeks before he gets signed. Yeah. Where, so where do you guys think he's going to get signed? Right now, the front runners are Ravens or Seahawks. Um, Is he going to get Ravens, signed? That's probably. the third option. I don't think he gets signed. I'd say Ravens think, just because of Brown, like a Marquise. Marquise Brown. I would think it and would Lamar. be a team that's pushing to the playoffs. Like Both of those teams are going to be pushing in the playoffs. Well, no, I, I consider both of those teams as like a sure in for the playoffs. Like I'm talking a team that's fighting for a wild card spot. Like, Yeah. Uh, a, a Rams type team, but I don't think that it would be the Rams. KFC East. Like. Yeah, like the Dolphins. <laughs> It wouldn't be the Bills. I don't know if you guys remember, but before he was traded to the Raiders, he was traded to the Bills, and then he said, he "Nope." Rejected. He said, "Nah." Then he <laughs> traded his ass to the Raiders. Dumbass. Yeah. What a big mistake. I would have read. I mean, Buffalo is cold as hell, but it's a much better yeah, team. But you don't want to play in Buffalo. I totally get why he didn't want to play in Buffalo. He's from yeah, Miami. The Raiders. <laughs> FTR. Yeah, I don't know. I think. Um, I think a team like Miami would would maybe be willing to do it. I, I can't think of another team that might be pushing for that last spot. Um, the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Probably with Tyrell Williams. That's hilarious. Right? All right, so let's let's get into the, the meat of the episode. Um, before we get into injuries and all that stuff, let's. I wanted to talk with contract talks. Uh, and right before we started this podcast, some um, we had some breaking news. Um, Leonard Fournette signing with the Bucks, just released from the Jaguars. So we haven't talked about this at all. We can talk about both sides of it. Uh, so before we get into the Bucks side, I'm interested to see how you guys feel about the the running back situation with the Jaguars and how you feel about the Jaguars in general. Why don't we, uh, Lionel? You start. Um, I think it's obvious that they're tanking, but. Um, they are going to be, I would assume, pretty pass-heavy this year because they're probably going to be down a lot. And so Gardner Minshew, um, I mean, he was pretty good last year. And so, I, I mean, I'm, I like him. I'm pretty sure a lot of people, other people do as well, but I think they're also tanking. And so Gardner Minshew is unfortunately with that team. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they're – just going to completely throw away the game, even if they're winning, you know? So with the Jags, no, the, the I, thing I, about I teams like that tank is the, the, the front office tanks, but the players don't tank. They don't go out there. And I mean, they're still playing for contracts. They're still playing for like you as a football player do not tank. So they're still going to be trying. It's just the front office is, seems to be doing everything in their power to make it more and more difficult for this team to win. That's what, yeah. that's what a team does when they're tanking. But I don't think the players themselves would tank. I actually, I like a lot of the, the Jaguars offense precisely because of what you're saying. Juan, how do yeah. you feel about it? I'll, I'll just say one more thing on that. Um, and oh, I yeah. guess it's harder at the quarterback position, but even the Giants with Saquon, like they would take him out of the game, you know? Like Saquon would have huge games, but they would just take him straight out just because they, they didn't want to win the game. Yeah, but I think Saquon's a whole different beast. Like... That is a special player you can't risk injury in a blowout type of game, you know? And, 
Also, they've already taken the entire defense out. So I read this. I read before you get started, Juan. I read this incredible thing. So in in twenty seventeen, I think the the defense had six Pro Bowlers, and the offense had Leonard. Uh, I think just Leonard Fournette in the Pro Bowl on offense. Um. Mm. And all of those six defensive players and Leonard Fournette are officially gone from that team. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Because, yeah, Yannick Ngakwe went to um, to the Vikings also. Anyway, um, Juan, what do you think about this? Um, I, I find it very interesting for the Jaguars, the fact that, like, they didn't get anything, right? You know, I understand that they didn't get what they wanted, but, like, to settle for nothing is pretty stupid, right? So doesn't okay, it almost from. feel personal? Yes. Yeah. Like they didn't even. They're, they're like, you're not even gonna test the fucking running back markets. You're like, you're, we're just gonna kick you out on the curb and just let's see what you get. And he gets the fucking Tom Brady as his quarterback, <laughs> right? Um, I don't know about you, but this makes me pretty high on Chris Thompson now. Like, I don't know where he was going before. I don't know where he's going now, but he's definitely made it to my draft board. He's made it to my draft board too. He's going in the later rounds for sure. But it it was he was already an interesting player just because Jay Gruden's there and they have a history together. And mm-hmm. guaranteed, one thing you know about Chris Thompson, he's not going to play a full season. He's not. Um, <laughs> but it's like such a nice flex, though. No, it's a great flex because Chris Thompson, the player, is a very good player. He's a very talented pass catching running back who knows Jay Gruden's system. And now it's uh, with Leonard Fournette leaving, I think last year he had some like 70 receptions. That's a lot of passing work. So as long as he's healthy, he's going to be, he's going to be a valuable, uh, he's going to have a valuable role in that team, especially again, like you guys said, uh, because this team's going to be playing from behind, he's going to be the running back on the field most of the time. I think, um, probably Ryquel Armstead and, and, or, um, I can't remember the other guy's name, divine something. I can't remember. But anyway, right now the speculation is uh, Ryquell will probably be the running back for the beginning of the season, and the other guy is going to be uh, the running back as the later as the season goes on because he just has more natural talent, according to you know reports from the beat reporters around Jacksonville or yeah around Jacksonville. Um, so I do think, but I'm not really interested in whoever's going to be getting the carries for. Uh, team that I suspect is going to be playing from behind the entire time. Yeah, which is why Chris Thompson is interesting because you know he's going to be the pass catching back. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really, you know, I haven't bought in on Rykel Armstead exactly for the same reason you said. Like, even if he's going to be productive, that team's going to be playing from behind a lot. And like you said, the players, the coach are going to want to win, you know? So I don't think that they're just going to keep running the ball when they're down 14 in the third, fourth quarter. Uh, interesting. I read this, uh, I heard this actually where like, if you start from like Blake Bortles, the Jags have literally gotten nothing for like all the first round picks they have. They have like, they've drafted like in the top 10, like eight of the past 10 years. And the only person that they still have on their roster is Josh Allen. I feel like that's a good, and they just drafted him. What? Two years ago, 2019. Yeah. A year ago. Oh, one year ago. Wow. That's hilarious. So he's they, still like, on his they, rookie contract. Yeah, That's yeah but they don't have things. anyone left. Like all of these top 10 picks and they came to nothing. And I don't even know why they blew it up, man. It's all I, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, but they started blowing it up two years ago, three years yeah. ago. 
And it's all for Trevor Lawrence three years ago. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I see it. Uh, if you want to talk about the uh, other side for the Bucks, I think this is really exciting for Leonard Fournette. Um, not that Tom Brady's a check down type of passer, but he does throw it short a lot. Get just He's really patient about just getting a few yards at a time, and he throws to his receivers a lot. You saw that a lot with James White. Yeah, but so, does he automatically assume? Because, okay, Leonard Fournette's a big name, but... You still think it's Ronald Jones? Um, I think for week one, yeah, because week one is next week. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Here's, here's what I think. The more, he's the more talented running back. I don't think it's Ronald Jones. I don't think it's, it's Ronald Jones. And I, Actually, I, I am still willing between these two, I would rather take a shot on Ronald Jones because I think Ronald Jones is probably going to plummet in ADP. No one's going to want to touch Ronald Jones at the 10-foot pole because Leonard Fournette's there. But um, Ronald Jones knows the offense. And quite frankly, um, Leonard Fournette, I don't think – is as great a running back as a lot of, as definitely a lot of LSU fans would think. But I don't think he's that great a running back, honestly. If you see what he's done over the last two years, and maybe it's just because he wasn't playing in the city that he wanted to be playing in or whatever. There's a lot of reports about Jacksonville just being a shitty organization. Um, but all I've seen every time I watch him play is he he gets he's he's a more he's a more uh, he's a better version of Jordan Howard is what he is. Um, he just, he doesn't, he's not elusive. He, he does, he can't really do anything credible unless he gets out to open space, which I guess you can get him. You, you, I mean, he did have a lot of receptions last year. So where, where I would mean, you guys take Leonard Fournette or are you even considering it? I haven't checked, but I'd probably say like third, like second, third. He was going so, in the third round before this. So I wouldn't be surprised if he still goes yeah. there. Before uh, this, he was going in the late third. I'll put it this way. Like, I told you I was mock drafting. Um, I wouldn't reach for him with like that early third pick, but what? I think he's worth like an like a early fourth, late third. Oh, we have a guest. <laughs> Hello. But he also he had he had a eleven hundred rushing yards and five hundred receiving yards last year. It's just that he couldn't find Hi the guys. end zone. Yeah, Marie. Hey. We're just talking about the Leonard Fournette news. Oh yeah. Do you love Tom Brady as much as I do? Huh? Do you love Tom Brady as much as I do? No, but I honestly love the Buccaneers. Okay. And I'm rooting for them. Me too. I, I am rooting for them. Yeah. The more and more that that has been happening this off season, like it's just incredible the team that they've put together. To be, you know, to be 100 percent honest, of course, I already would get better from it, right? Like. Yeah, it's, like, it's unfair. I don't know. I didn't even think about it, but like, yeah, of course, like he would go there. It's That's like exactly when NBA players just want to get bought out so they can go play with LeBron. Yeah, Amarish is the one that broke the news to me because, um, like, I was I was cooking. I got home and cooking, and then Amarish just she's like, "Oh shit, Leonard Fournette got signed." I was like, "What? Where?" She's like, "Guess." Like it's obvious, right? And I'm like, "Oh, don't say Kansas City." I thought he was gonna go. Like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I was like, "Give like ten dollars." And she's like, no, the Bucks. And as soon as she said it, I was like, it makes sense. I mean, they've gone out and, I mean, they have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. They went out and got Gronk. Um, now they bring in Leonard Fournette. And I guess he was really the missing piece. There's a lot of question marks about Ronald Jones. Uh, but I am not touching him with a 10-foot pole. He's get, I mean, you have to consider that the goal line back for a Tom Brady offense has always been a very valuable role. But um, – 
Yeah, there's other players I would rather have in the third round. And honestly, I want my running backs. I would I would rather have Jonathan Taylor than him in the third round. Well, okay, so how about or Ronald Jones, right? He is going to plummet, like you said. I agree with that. But how much are you willing to invest for a, like potentially only four weeks of production? Like, let's say he's the main back consistently for the first four weeks, and after that, his uh, production seriously starts going down. How much are you willing to invest for some early wins, potentially? That's assuming that he doesn't do well with that role. If he's doing well with that role, they're not going to change. And and I do think that last year he showed that he can be a talented back. Um, the only reason he ever got taken off the field was because he was missing pass protections, but apparently he's been excelling at that part of his game in training camp. So if that's the case, then if you give him the full role uh, and he excels with it, you can still utilize Leonard Fournette in different packages, but the question is how much value does either one really have at that point? So what you're saying at that point is like, sure, maybe you get a few productive weeks and then Leonard Fournette gets worked into the rotation. Well, really, they're both just cannibalizing each other's production at that point. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm asking, how much are you willing to invest knowing that? And Ronald Jones? If, the yeah, only I reason I would him. say I would take him right now, he, he was going like in the sixth round before this, sixth, seventh round. Um, I think this drops him definitely into the double digits. And like I could take him or I could take like a Matthew Stafford in the 10th. I'll take Ronald Jones and take my shot on a different quarterback. <laughs> what do you think, Lionel? If I don't take a running back uh, within the first three to four rounds, then I'll probably take Ronald Jones at some point, right? Just because I don't have, have a choice. But other than that, I don't see a situation where I would want to draft him, even if I am getting a little bit of production at the beginning of the season. I don't think it's worth drafting at any point unless I absolutely have to like take him, um, and I'd rather do that through waivers than anything. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to a different contract talk because there's been a lot of contract situations going on around the NFL. So I'm just gonna, wait, wait, wait. What's up? Can we? Um, I don't know if you're willing to cut this afterwards, but Lionel, yeah. instead of talking like at the top of the microphone, can you talk to the front of it? I think that would make a big difference. Like you have it like this and you're speaking here, try to speak onto it on the front. I think that's why it's not uh, yeah, speak, speak like into it, not onto it. Like this? Like, is that better? No. Oh my God. That is better. better. Yeah. yeah. So, cause it's like, it's kind of like this shaped, right? Your microphone. I don't even know how it was. Like I was, and okay. you're speaking, don't speak. Don't speak yeah. Like you're speaking into this top part speak and the, the side. Yeah, the side of oh, it is what has the actual like – correct. Yeah, that's okay. a lot better. Got it. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the contract talks. There's a lot of um, a lot of different contract situations around the NFL right now. The one that's obviously been going on is the Dalvin Cook situation. Uh, so the reason why I wanted to bring this up because we're talking about the Jaguars. Um, with Yannick Ngakwe going from the Jaguars to the Vikings, the Vikings already had very little cap space. Uh, the presumption is that the money that they used for that contract is the money that was on the table for Delvin Cook. So now it's pretty much set in stone. Delvin Cook's likely not going to get a contract, um, and this is a contract year for him. To me, the just his position in all this and the way that you know it's all played out, I, I, I think if he plays a full season and if he's actually his heart is in it, in the Gary Kubiak system – uh, with the Vikings, it's a run-first team. He's going to be very valuable, but he, it's dropped him so much in in my rankings for me. Um, I, it's dropped him to like this to like the eighth spot. You know, I'd, I would rather take Derrick Henry. I would rather take uh, Michael Thomas. I would t- I'd rather take Cl- uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at this point. Um, 
I would. Even, I think I might even take Joe Mixon because he just Whoa. got a contract. Yeah, because he well, just got a contract. I like Joe Mixon. I like Joe Mixon a lot. How much though? I guess you look at Melvin Gordon, right? And it did not pay off at all to hold out, right? Mm-hmm. So, how much is he gonna weigh, like his body, and making sure he's not injured, to working up to a potential like big contract the way like someone like Derrick Henry did? Right. Well, he he he's. I think he's gonna get a contract somewhere next year if he stays healthy. Because the biggest question mark over his career is that he has not finished one complete season. So if that's the case, then what if he again? You know, Lionel had him as a blue balls candidate in the Buster Nut episode. Um, <laughs> It's very likely that, okay, what if he has a great season and he puts up a good contract year and then towards the end of the year, he doesn't want to get injured. So, you know, he makes up some migraine bullshit like Joe Mixon was doing in training camp, you know? And so if he does do that, then he's going to hurt your team at the end of the year. And literally that's the only reason why I'm kind of a little deterred from Dalvin Cook personally and why I would rather have someone like Joe Mixon who his whole situation just, just got cleared up. Um, you know he got a he got a contract. The other person, the other player that we need to worry about now, which sucks, is Alvin Kamara because I was super high on Alvin Kamara. Uh, he was back at practice today, so I think I think everything's looking good, and I wouldn't be surprised if this. I do think that the Saints would pay him just because. How much longer do you have with Drew Brees? You can't just let go of Alvin Kamara in perhaps his last year, what may be his last year in the NFL. You can't let him go especially one week before the NFL season. I don't care what anybody says. They're not going to let him go. But it's there's a possibility. Do you know why uh, me and Juan don't give a shit? Why? <laughs> because we got Saquon and Zeke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I will say this. Um, I, you have the fourth pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you want? Does this, does this, does, do all these, <laughs> do these things change it for you? Well, or do you not want to say? Who? Does, the, does this change your draft strategy or not? Uh, no. No? Oh, no. so, so she doesn't want to win. And I mean, that hasn't changed at all. You so guys, then you so. weren't, you weren't thinking about any of these guys. Nah. I already drafted in my other league last week and I was voted the best. I've drafted the best in the whole league. So she did draft a really good team. So. She what pick did you have? That one, though. What? Oh, yeah? You had the first pick? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was random. Like, they just did auto-assign, and I got one. Mm. So. No. Do you think there's any chance Seabird takes Mahomes with the first pick? Dude, I'd go <laughs> fucking berserk that you get C-Mac, too. Like, I'd be like, fucked everything up. Have you drafted any other, anyone else? I'd be more pissed uh, that you get, like, C-Mac. I, th- I think if you drafted anybody other than C-Mac, it'd be Lamar Jackson. But I guess I gotta say, whatever. I Fuck, would I don't be know. more upset if <laughs> 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 you just hear him talk himself into Saquon? <laughs> well, I guess I got Saquon at three. You're like, <laughs> too bad. I do see him doing that. Not C-Mac. We need to find a way to like have it live streamed on our TV. Um, what, yeah, so what? I, actually, going back to, I know we didn't even really touch on it, but for the draft... So I plan to have a Zoom party like this. I'm going to set this up so that we can all see each other. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess, well, no, everyone's going to be drafting on their phone, so they can just see it there. Mm-hmm. We can set but what, did, but what did you, I didn't understand what you wanted to do then. Um, well, we're going to draft on the app, right? Yeah. But 
uh, I'm going to have like a zoom party set up. So whoever wants to yep. tune in can tune in. Um, gotcha. Everybody should it. be in that shit. Lionel's actually coming to Austin for the draft. So I was thinking, um, you know, I'll be the play by play guy and Lionel can be the color commentator. <laughs> yeah. My brother decided to come into town this weekend, so I'm like freaking out. Like, I wanted to be at home with my computer, not drafting on my phone. Like, I had a whole setup going, and like now I might just be doing like I might be like at a bar or something, just on my phone waiting to see when it's my turn. <laughs> I'm gonna be so pissed. That's hilarious. Um. All right. So the the only contract situation that was left to talk about was Joe Mixon, but he got paid. Uh, he moved up in my rankings after that. And, you know, he's someone that I'm strongly considering if, you know, if the guys that I want are not there in the first round, I think I do want Joe Mixon. Um, it's a risk because there's the possibility that this team is going to be a team that plays from behind a lot because the, you know, the defense is horrible, but, and that does affect running productivity because they were in that position a lot last year. Joe Mixon had a very volatile season where, there was a point, I don't know if you guys remember, there was a point last season where Joe Mixon was virtually droppable. As a matter of fact, he did get dropped in our league because he was that bad. Um, and I didn't. Bl- I don't remember who had him, but I didn't blame them for dropping him. It was towards the end of the season where, you know, he started to pick up again, and he ended the season amazingly. And I the think I traded now, him for uh, James Conner. I think I traded, yeah, I think I traded Joe Mixon for James Conner, if I remember that oh, yeah? correctly. The Jello. Hmm. Mm. Oh, awful. Just, well, they both didn't pan out, but whatever. Joe Mixon is probably the better option there. I like I like Mixon. You know, um, what was it last year? Was he injured? Like I just I remember him not performing at the beginning, but I don't remember why. What I think happened is I think you know Zach. It was a new offense with Zach Taylor. Um, you know they weren't really finding their identity a whole lot. It took a long time for this offense to figure it out. They had the whole quarterback debacle for a while, too, where Andy Dalton was playing at garbage. I can't remember who came in to replace him. Then they booted his ass out, and then Andy Dalton finished off the season. Um, Mm -hmm. When Andy Dalton came back, uh, basically what Zach Taylor did and and why things changed so much is he figured out how to use Joe Mixon, and they've said it over the course of this offseason and uh, throughout training camp that the way to get him going is he gets going with more carries. I love when a coach says something like that because then that means that they understand that, you know, you you have to give this guy 25 touches a game, you know, and the more touches you give him, the more productive he's going to be. And towards the end of the year, he became really the cornerstone of that offense because they had bad quarterback play. And I think, again, this year you, you have a rookie quarterback uh, with a lot of great receiving options, but I think the cornerback of, or the, the cornerstone of this offense is still going to be Joe Mixon at least to start the year because that's where they finished off last year. Um, and I think he's going to have a lot of touches. I, with the news of his contract, I've moved him up ahead of, um, he's basically right after my Derrick Henry, uh, Clyde Edwards, Alaire tier. So he's still a first rounder. I've moved him ahead of Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake, who we'll talk about later on today in the injury updates. Um, but I'm, I'm very high on Joe Mixon. I can respect that. I think, um, for me, if I was in a position where I might consider getting him, I'm like, I guess I'm not swayed as much on the contract disputes. I, I just feel like there's not enough evidence that it works to, I guess, throw a fit or like hold yourself out. 
So I think those running backs are still going to produce. I would get him maybe like at the 10th. I, I would still get him ahead of Miles Sanders and stuff. But like for me, like him and Hilaire are like a toss up. Yeah, but I think, I think, um, I wouldn't even, yeah, I wouldn't blame you for taking him ahead of Hilaire. The only reason when you, it's really, there's a lot of question marks around a rookie like that, you know, and I'm really high on him. You guys have all heard my take on it, but it, there's a lot of risk when you're, when you're banking on a rookie in the first round. And, you know, there's, the old adage that um, you don't win your your draft um, in the first round, but you can certainly lose it. And it's certain it's absolutely true because like last year, I could have very easily I had I took David Johnson with the fifth pick overall. Like I traded him away at the perfect time, but had that not happened, I would have completely obliterated my team. You know, and there's those little things where like those kinds of things can happen. I mean, I think. Uh... Emery's the year that she won, she drafted Aaron Rodgers in the first round and he got injured like uh, at the end of the season and she still won. I still won though, so. (laughs) That that is true, she did win it. Yeah, I drafted him last, and I think last year I drafted him in the second. That was risky. (laughs) Are you you planning on getting him again? Nah, unless I get him like in like the ninth round. (laughs) Oh, he'll be there for sure. Think, yeah, well. I think I think he uh, he's he's been dropping there, and I think people are afraid to to get. I'm gonna get him with the turnaround, like right there, like right before Emery. Just like <laughs> I'm gonna kick you out of my house. And then drop him like the first game. Put him the waiver wire like week one, <laughs> just to make a point. The point being that you're a giant asshole. Yeah. <laughs> point made a long time ago, Lionel. <laughs> That would be so Dang. mean. That'd be so bad. <laughs> right, so so you don't want to tell us who you're getting, who you're thinking of with the fourth? I mean, you hate. I mean, we already know who we want. Like, yeah, like we, two okay, out of the so, three people oh, here. Oh, sorry. No one, no one can steal your your first. Pick oh no. Oh. Because you already know, um, Sievers getting C-Mac. They're getting. Z-Mac. I'm getting Saquon. Who's gonna I'm follow the Z-Mac. third or the fourth position? I'm uh, on a running so back. The next ones would be there. You would have a running back. You would have Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Uh, Derrick Henry. Sucks. You, know, you honestly have like player. five running backs to pick from. You also I want a running back in the first. And I was thinking consider... Alvin Kamara, but now I think there might be some hostility like with the Saints because of what's going on these past few yeah. days. And I'm thinking, shit, like is he gonna like not do so hot? Like out of what's the situation? Well, you still have uh, Michael Thomas is also there. But I want to. I want a running back the first round. So I. I don't I'd know. probably do Michael Thomas honestly. Just really? He, here, here's how I, I see. I here's how I see. I wouldn't. I do Michael I Thomas because you could you could still get Hopkins in the second. Both. You would go there's, run. There's you would go wide receiver. Wide receiver. That's not a good idea. But I just with the fourth <laughs> pick, I think it's so like uh, cloudy. Um, yeah, it is cloudy. You, like, you I honestly, like I feel like you're gonna get solid production either way. But I want a running back because I think that's where I've gone wrong, like in multiple. So can I, can I tell you who I think is this? The highest upside pick, so there the highest upside pick, I think, is still Alvin Kamara, mm-hmm. just because of his productivity with the Saints. But the safest pick there, he's not going to finish as the number one running back, but he could very well finish top three again, and he's not going to finish outside the top eight, I don't Ooh. think, Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah. I Honestly, I really liked him. So, but the thing is, is doesn't he t- like take a while to take off? Here's so last year after mm, Ryan Tannehill, after Ryan Tannehill <laughs> took over, uh, he was the number two running back for the rest of the season. Once Ryan Tannehill took over, and it was a big tear drop off. So you had CMC, 
Then there was a big tier. Then it was Derrick Henry. Big tier, then the rest of the league. So he was he was like in, a, in a, the second tier all on his own. And it really does depend on the team's identity. He is the team's identity. This is a team that wants to run – you know, lower amounts of passing plays and have them be more efficient. And the only reason they can do it is because they have Derrick Henry. One thing that I know about Derrick Henry, even if he does start the season slow, whoever, it, who, if someone that's making a playoff push or is playing in the playoffs with Derrick Henry, they're a threat to take it all, always. Because he just, come wintertime, he is such a valuable player to have on your team. That's um, true. I do think at, at that point, he's the safest player to take. In my opinion. I don't know. Uh, that being said, I don't know. We'll see how I feel in the moment. <laughs> All right. That's fair. I, I think so. You could look at it. The fourth is, tr- is really tricky because I know we're completely off of injury talk, but you could look at it as like, I can pick whoever I want from what's left. Mm-hmm. Or you could feel it as like such a weight of like, damn, I need to get this right. Whereas like in the eighth, you could just be like, eh, whoever falls to me to eighth. Stop putting work. the pressure on me, Juan. As it is, you are the reason I'm not in the top three because you're bullshit name. <laughs> so I mean, I really don't want, I don't want more stress. <laughs> what Did you know what that was, Emery? What? Did you know what that was, Ida Win? Yeah, from uh, the... Damn, you everybody see? knew. I didn't even fucking know, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know about this shit. It, it's only funny if you know where it's from. Lines, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Wow. I, a Bama Cup would have been hilarious, you guys. I thought it was a good one. It's such a generational name but for the league. <laughs> it's because those things die, like fade. Like In a year, it's not going to make any sense. <laughs> Do you know what Bama Club means? I don't know what it actually means. I just know it's that your it's ass clapping it. together, dude. Right, that's it. That's what people. That's why people it up, say it. It's like an African, uh, like a native African, like chant. And hit bamba clap, bamba clap. But that's where its origins are. Wow. Like, yeah, it's hilarious. I thought it was pretty. It funny. was freaking. Funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> no one yeah, does their research. Like- <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Do your due diligence, fellas. So let's let's start getting into the injuries. Um, so Lionel, did you compile a list? Because I know you're supposed to do the end. I did. Um, so you want me to start with the? I can start. And so the first team I guess I had was the 49ers, just because they were the Super Bowl contenders last year and uh, Super Bowl losers at the end of it. But um, I'm I, I'm pre- I've always been pretty high on the 49ers offense. Um, I know it took me a while last year, but um, even in this year, I, I'm pretty confident with the 49ers offense. And I know that can lead to problems um, fantasy-wise individually. But overall, as a team offense, I think it is a really good um, – I think it's a really good organization. The way they run the offense is pretty solid. Um, but the first injury uh, was with Debo Samuel. And um, so he had a Jones fracture on his left foot. And this is one of the ones that – I felt like I had the hardest time uh, determining what the timetable would be for when he would return. And that definitely puts a lot of risk on this pick. Um, he's expected to go in the eighth round, but and he's also projected to come in the early season to mid-season. Um, and I know we did a did a bust or not last time. This is a potential bust, I feel, right now that I've uh, looked at this situation because um, you could be drafting him at, in the eighth round, but... Uh, even if he does return within the early part of the season, you don't, I would expect the 49ers to not use him as much just because of the type of injury he had. Um, and so it probably would take until mid season at most, or at least for him to actually come into 
uh, and to becoming an actual valuable asset for the 49ers as a, as a receiving option. Um, but a reason why I like the receivers and this team and even the running back or the receivers in this case is because they do have both receiving and rushing production. So, and Debo Samuel last year, uh, he had, um, over 800, he had around 800 yards in, in receiving and 159 yards in rushing. And so the, and so the second um, receiving option there is Brandon Ayuk. Uh, they drafted him in the first round, and he also has an injury. Uh, so he has a left hamstring strain, and but he's expected to return at the very beginning of the season. And this is someone that I don't like talking about personally, just because I see I, I see a lot of value there, um, especially since the, especially seeing the way that they use um, uh, D- Debo Samuel. Um, Let me ask I, you this really quick. Let me ask you this ahead. really quick because he's going late in the draft, Brandon Ayuk. And a big reason why I was so high on him, they spent high draft capital. They drafted him in the first, but also with Debo Samuel going down, he was going to have a big opportunity to take, you know, to increase his role on the team. But now you have a possibility where when he comes back, Debo could be coming back and he's the rookie, right? So now where does he fall in the pecking order? And do I want to take a shot like that with someone like that late in the draft where, okay, I draft him, whatever you can take him as your last pick, but he's going to sit on my bench for, you know, three, four weeks until he comes back. And then by then, does he even have a role to me, his injury? I'm excited for the player, but he's completely moved off my draft board completely. I get, I get what you mean by that. Um, and even right now, if you look at their top options, it's going to be the running backs and then George Kittle and then Brandon Ayuk. Um, so he's not even the top option of, of that offense in the, in the first place, uh, even in receiving. And so, and so I completely understand that. But um, the 49ers had him right behind uh, C.D. Lamb in the draft. And so they, they have him really high. And, and, and the way they utilized uh, Debo Samuel, I think that gives uh, Brandon York more, more positivity just because he, he probably will be used in both the rushing and receiving uh, they're going to use him in every single part of that offense uh, with a slot, whether as a top receiver or even as a as a running back in some cases, as a as a jet as a jet uh, as a jet uh, running back. And so, I, I like him, um, and I think it's worth uh, drafting even a little bit higher than the uh, than the last couple of rounds. I know he can potentially go undrafted, but if he's there in the fourth, thirteenth to fifteenth, I'd consider it. I definitely consider it just because I've I'm high on the 49ers offense. I, I like it and. I like the creativity to use and with, with how I expect to use this receiver and especially with the, with options being very limited. Um, I like him there. I like him there um, personally. How do you feel about what this does for the team, the players that are still, um, you know, players like George Kittle, uh, even Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman. And, you know, does this bring for me, it, I, I am considering with my last pick, maybe drafting um oh my god i'm i'm blanking on the name um injured running back first year playing jerick mckinnon oh yeah i've 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 started considering him uh with my last pick because he could have a receiving role in this team uh what is it what has it done for you juan um i don't know i don't think it's really changed anything like i still have a I, I guess ultimately I'm still on on the side of like there's no uh, other than Kittle there's no particular Niners player that I'm really heavy on like this, I this rather moved, this moved Kittle ahead of Kelsey for me and that's no, I, I think, think that's Kittle really be really the fair. Turn this offense in the beginning 
Yeah, yeah this, and this moved Kittle ahead of Kelsey for me. I think I think that's a good call. Outside of that, like I personally want. I'm not going to, I don't think, unless they're like really falling, I probably wouldn't draft either Coleman or uh, Mostert. I'd rather one of them do bad and then someone drops them and I'll pick them up on waivers. I am interested in Raheem Mostert. I am interested in him. But other than that, McKinnon might be worth like your last pick, but that's about it. I'm avoiding the receivers completely. All right. uh, I don't like Debo Samuel. I don't think I would draft him, but I like Brandon. I think. uh, that's worth a, that's worth a, a fifteen. So um, the the interesting thing and, and the reason why uh, there's going to be a few options here. You know, I know we don't you, y'all don't really do a whole lot of DFS, but I'm going to bring it up really quickly. There are the receiving options on this team uh, are going to be great options in DFS and great streaming options because they're going to be names that are completely forgotten because those aren't the only wide receiver injuries. I'm going to list they, right now. So like you said, Debo and Brandon Ayuk are injured. So is J.J. Nelson. So is Jalen Hurd. So is Richie James. So is Trent Taylor. Their entire wide receiver core is decimated. So um, we don't know who the guy's going to be, but someone's going to emerge. I think that's a team to watch in week one, and uh, whoever pops out in, on the waivers uh, could make a name for themselves. You got to remember, Dante Pettis was a sleeper last year, and it didn't pan out, but now he has an opportunity again, and he could come, out, he could come back and, and do something for this team. Uh, but anyway, let's move on to another team. Do you have any other teams on the NFC, Lionel, that you want to talk about? Um, so this, I had the Seahawks. Uh, Rashard Penny, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, has a torn ACL. And so, um, I mean, Chris Carson uh, is going in the late third, but because there's not really uh, – I like Carlos Hyde, but uh, Chris Carson's obviously going to be a top pick just because of his ability to rush and run uh, – to rush and receive. Uh, the last two years, he's um, been a top twelve, top top fifteen uh, running back. And uh, last year, he finished years, in the top ten, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the last two years, um, he's finished in the top fifteen. And so for a third year, he definitely has an opportunity, especially with Rashard Penny being out. I guess that increases both the Car- Chris Carson's and Carlos yeah. Hyde's value. I, I think Carson's being undervalued again this year because last year he was being drafted, you know, late third, early uh, early fourth. This year, he's still being drafted in, like, the early to mid-third. Um, mm-hmm. But I still think he's being undervalued there. I personally wouldn't take him in the second. I wouldn't. But um, he had seven games over 100 yards last year. You know, this um, Russell Wilson's running back is always a really valuable role. And he had a hip injury, but he's he's back to full health now. I think Carlos Hyde is literally just there to be uh, – you know, it, it, uh, an emergency back. And uh, Rashad Penny is eventually going to come back on this team, I do believe, but you still have the question mark of, like, what shape does he come in? So I, I love Chris Carson. Yeah, I um, I do agree with that. Um, the Rams, Daryl Henderson, garbage. Uh, can't make <laughs> yeah, but, on top. Okay, so that 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 injury is very interesting to me because the concern was like, okay, who are they going to go with? And right now, the scary thing is Malcolm Brown is taking reps with the ones, right? So it's not even Daryl Henderson, not Cam Akers. But as this season goes along, um, I do think there's no way that Malcolm Brown holds off Cam Akers. Cam Akers is a very talented running back, and uh, if he does get the opportunity for this team, uh, he could be a sneaky like maybe second half of the season player. He's going somewhere um, 
like he's going to have an opportunity to really take this job over. He's going, I think, like around the eighth round, eighth yeah, or ninth I, round. Would you are are you guys? I know Lionel. You said you don't want any rookie running backs. I don't like Cam Akers here on with the Rams uh, personally. But it like think back to the role. I mean, not just Todd Gurley succeeded on this team with that role. C.J. Anderson did too. People forget. Like the, this is a team that knows how to utilize its running backs and put them in the right situations. And the only reason that wasn't working for Gurley last year was because his knees were fucked. You know, like here we have a young, talented player who really showed out in college and uh, a very smart coach who knows how to play, put his players in the right situations. I do think that at some point he could be a very valuable player. Maybe someone like last year you had someone like Devin Singletary really have a valuable role towards the second half of the season. You had him on your team, Lionel. Um, and he was a rookie running back who worked into the rotation. The uh, veteran incumbent was there with Frank Gore. And you can – Picture the same situation here with Malcolm Brown. Um, only difference is Malcolm Brown is actually worse than Frank Gore, even at this point in his career. And Cam Akers, I think, may be more talented than Devin Singletary. Or at least he is coming into the NFL, in my opinion. I don't think he's going that late, though. I think he's going sooner. And that's that's what makes me hesitant. It's like, I wouldn't spend a sixth on him. I would not take him with uh, – there's too many players. I wouldn't take him before the eighth round. And you're right. I his, think he is going earlier than that. His ADP in um, on Sleeper, at least, is 56. And then elsewhere, he's like in the 60s. Oh, so that's that's really high. Yeah, that's so he's like going in the, in the fifth. That's in the fifth round. I would not take him in the fifth round. And there, the potential of like all the carries is there, right? But well, He could be a trade target. He could be a trade target as the season goes along. That's true, you know. Like, if you just see a little bit, invest uh, invest in him early. You know, you won't have to trade much. In our league, I could see him, though, falling to, like, the seventh, maybe. And then you could consider it. You know, I, we keep saying that about our league, but every year the league surprises me. And Like, last year I got sniped left and right. I went into the, into the draft thinking, like, I'm going to get all my players. These dudes don't even – and I got – all my players got taken before. Like, I, I slept on it too much. I'm not sleeping on everybody this year. I'm reaching for my guys. I'm going to make sure that I get my guys. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of savvy players in this league. <clears throat> there's we'll just uh, keep going down the, the list here. Cardinals, uh, Kenyon Drake, he has a foot injury, but he's good to go. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins also has an injury uh, with his hamstring, but he's good to go as well. Um, the Bears, David Montgomery has a groin injury. He's out two to four weeks. He's projected to go around the fourth and fifth round, but uh, this puts a little bit more value with Tariq Cohen and Ryan. I think, uh, I think he, he's that it hasn't reflected completely um, the the draft capital. Like he's still going in the fourth or fifth round. He's going to drop more. He's going to drop more because he all. He was a running back, David Montgomery, that I was willing to take. I was actually – I liked his value before this because even though um, I don't think he's really all that talented, he was the last running back that you could get that was going to be guaranteed 250 touches. But now um, now with him – Nick Foles and – Yeah, with him, and with him missing a couple of weeks and uh, I, I don't want – I like it's – He's going to have value, but I don't want to wait two weeks for David Montgomery. And, I mean, I guess, like, if, if you – you can still draft him and draft somebody else that's going to have an early season role. Um, you know, maybe you could draft him and Tariq Cohen. And you, I, I think I like Tariq Cohen's um, possible usage on this team. 
How do you feel about Tariq Cohen and what'd you take him? Um, I don't know. I'm not really too high on the Bears offense as a whole. And so David Montgomery is the top option there and Tariq Cohen can obviously get some receptions, but with that team, I'm not very confident. Like just in general with the Bears, I'm, I'm, I don't, but I, would, I don't know. I it is good value, but I just don't trust the Bears enough to. Yeah, I, I agree. But I do think, um, you know, Tariq Cohen, there is value there. And I think people forget that. But he's had like, he's a 70 reception running back. That's a very rare thing. And now with David Montgomery gone, um, I think they may have to rely on him a little bit more. They're, he doesn't get used a lot in the running game, but he's officially the best back in the backfield. They're going to incorporate him and, and have a running game through the pass, through short passes. So I think he does have value in the early games. And I think he has season-long value just because of his receiving floor. And his draft price is really low. He's going in the double-digit rounds. Or what round did you say Tariq Cohen's going in? I'm at the 10th and 11th. Yeah, so double-digit rounds. At that point, you're taking flyers. You're taking you know guys. That, and he has You had him one year where he finished as a top 15 back. It was two years ago, I think. You know, so he's done it before on this offense. I, I, I do think he has value. He's someone I would be willing to take a shot on. Like if I haven't gotten a lot of running back depth at that point in the draft, I'll take a shot on Tariq Cohen. I'll take him. Makes sense. Hey, he can even get you a bit of fantasy points at the beginning of the season with uh, Montgomery there. So, And then you'll get that 10th tenth, tenth, uh, tenth, uh, round value uh, at that point. So, yeah, um, Tariq Cohen in the 10th, 11th makes sense. Um you at least get solid production in the beginning and then you get what you expect out of him at the rest of the, the rest of the way from there. Um, the next I have the lions, uh, Deandre Swift has a left leg injury. Uh, he's expected to return in one of three weeks, but this does put Karrion Johnson in a position to solidify that, um, that running back one role. And so let me ask I'm you not, this on Karrion Johnson. If you're like, let's say you draft David Montgomery, he's missing the first few weeks. What if you pair him with Carryon Johnson, who I think is eventually going to lose his job to DeAndre Swift, but you're saying he's going to be the lead back on this team for at least the first few weeks. So if you drafted David Montgomery, pair him with, uh, with a Carryon Johnson, and boom, just like that, you have another running back. That could be a very savvy way to go wide receiver heavy at the beginning of the draft, and then you pair these two guys you know, in the middle rounds, and you could piece together a pretty good running back productivity with, between those two guys. Yeah, you could play around with the uh, injuries there. Um, and so, but again, like another situation with the rookie running back that um, carry on Johnson and with the Detroit Lions and with that coaching staff, yeah, I don't know how they, how much value that puts with DeAndre Swift. And I think it does decrease a lot of that value as well, especially if carry on Johnson does do good. So I, I don't know. These rookie running backs, I'm not too solid on. I'm really high on the rookie receivers, but. <laughs> um, the last going with that as well is the Eagles I have. And this is with the 49ers is one of the more complex, I feel, um, injury situations. Um, so Jalen Rager, <laughs> well, I guess uh, first with Alshon Jeffrey, um, he has a foot injury. I, he's probably out about two to three weeks and expected to go in the late rounds. Jalen Rager, he's out four weeks. He's going late, undrafted. Uh, Carson Wentz has a lower body injury. Um, Carson Wentz has historically been known to have injury concerns. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Greg Ward, are they're going to be the top receiving top receiving options week one? So this no, is not. a group that no, I've been concerned with. 
even at the uh, beginning. They're not going to be the top receiving options week one. Who, who do you think is going to be the top receiving options? Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is the top receiving option, yeah. And he's going in the fifth round right now. I think people are sleeping on Zach Ertz. Good point. Yeah, he's same with the 49ers. Yeah, yeah, like George Kittle. You know, he's, he's behind Mark Andrews. I think to me, in my rankings, this actually moves him ahead of Mark Andrews because he's done it more than Mark Andrews over the course of his career. And, you know, it's one of those things that, like, he's not the sexiest pick, but every year people think, like, oh, this is the year that his productivity is going to go down. The reason why he has the productivity he does is because every year he ends up being the only reliable option, receiving option on this team. It happened last year. It happened the year before. And it's happening again this year. Um, I do think, you know, like at first, like to me, this just moves the needle more on on Zach Ertz than anybody else. Um, I was, it sucks because I was really excited about Jalen Rager. Uh, I think he's a very talented rookie. And I was very excited to see what he was going to do. He was going really late in the drafts. He was one of my late round targets before the injury. He's completely moved off my draft board now. Because the same thing, he's, he's in a situation like Brandon Ayuk where when he's ready to come back, Alshon Jeffrey's going to be coming back. So then they're going to be battling for that position. Um, it does move the needle a little bit on Deshaun Jackson also. But you still have the, hind- the injury concerns there. And uh, Miles Sanders. What's up? How is he still in the league? <laughs> he's a freak of nature, dude. He, the thing is, when he's healthy, he still plays as good as ever. He hasn't lost a step. But the question is not that. The question, again, is when he's healthy. Um, and he just hasn't been over the last few years. Yeah, but uh, that's true. I do like him as a late-round target. And Miles Sanders, the other injuries that they've had on this team are – so Miles Sanders has been seen in a walking boot. The, every, the sources are saying, like, he's going to be ready. He should be ready for week one. But when you hear a coach say he should be ready for week one, it's not the best vote of confidence. You know, it's a little freak. And I, I harped on how much I love Miles Sanders before on this podcast. Uh, it did move him down the ranks quite a bit for me. Um, to me, it moved him out of the first round. I had him in the first round for a little while, but to me with the question marks about the walking boot, um, the uh, you ha- now you have two of their starting O-linemen that have gone down to injury as well. And you have Carson Wentz dealing with a soft tissue ish- injury. All those things piling up. Um, it's moved Miles Sanders a little bit down for me. Um, those are my only feelings. And it really sucks because I was actually really excited about – I was really excited about Miles Sanders, and I was very, very excited about Jalen Rager as well. But all of this yeah. changes. It. So you covered the Miles Sanders part of that. Um, maybe uh, one or two weeks. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you don't They know said exactly he's, he's going to be ready for week one, but it's just like when you say he should be. You, you shouldn't be surprised if he's out one or two weeks. Yeah. And so the last – NFC uh, injury, I guess I have, is uh, wait, the wait, Washington wait. R-War team. <laughs> Before you get to, to the Washington R team, uh, what does it do for Boston Scott for you, if anything? Boston Scott has a role on this team. Uh, this team has always used, you know, a scat or a, a sat back kind of role. You know, they've had Darren Sproles there um, in the past. And I think that's exactly what Boston Scott was last year. So I think his role doesn't really change. Um, if if Miles Sanders were to go down, um, I don't think his role would increase. I think his role would stay pretty much the slam, and they would they would probably bring in somebody like a Devontae Freeman. So it okay. doesn't really change a lot of Boston Scott uh, his position on the team for me personally. Fair enough. Um, last, uh, I had the Washington R team. Um, Alex Smith 
doesn't have the starting job, but maybe potentially in the middle at some point of the season can take that. And uh, obviously a very beautiful story with him come back, has came back from the gruesome uh, leg injury and back with this Washington Onward team. And maybe at some point can change the culture of this team, you know, like uh, such an inspiring story. Yeah. I honestly, I think even if he doesn't play a single game this season, I think they should already just give him comeback of the year. <laughs> um, fair enough. I mean, his story is his story is just so incredible. Um, I I think people I I don't think very highly of Dwayne Haskins as a as a quarterback, but I don't think this is a team that they're just going to keep Dwayne Haskins even if he sucks. They're going to keep him in the entire season because it gives him a shot at um at, at uh Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. So. I think he's going to stay in, and, and quite frankly, I'm I'm cool with that because I would rather have Haskins in than um, than Alex Smith for the sake of Terry McLaurin. They have a connection, you know. They played together in college, and they had it. They got it together towards the end of last year, and um, I love Terry McLaurin. I think he's a great. He's already one of the better route runners in the NFL. If you watch his film, it's incredible to see a rookie come in and be that sharp. And to think that he went in like the fifth round is ridiculous. Do you have any other teams, Lionel? That's all I got. All right. So I'm just going to run through these uh, really quickly. So let's start with the Browns. Um, the The Jarvis Landry, Landry injury is something that's still looming. Uh, he's still going to be questionable for the first couple of weeks. Um, that's really the only significant injury that has occurred on this team that, you know, Nick Chubb was dealing with some concussion issues. But uh, I don't really think – he already cleared concussion protocol. I don't think it's really anything to be concerned about. Um, consi- like, considering where Jarvis Landry – he's going to be out one or two weeks. Uh, I, I still think he's worth a pick where he's going just because every year he outperforms his draft position. He's always a very reliable player. He's not a win-you-the-week type of player. But he's a very reliable player. And when he's on the field, uh, he's going to have a role. He's going to have receptions. He's going to be like just around 1,000 yards and 90 receptions. He is every year without fail. And even if he misses one or two games, I still think he has potential to do that. Um, The next team I have, Denver. The only big injury that they have is KJ Hamler. And, you know, he's just questionable for the beginning of the season. Doesn't do a lot for their top receiving options. Uh, Cortland Sutton is still the number one there. Uh, you still have Jerry Judy working with, with the first team, Noah Fant. Um, so I don't really think it changes a whole lot. Uh, on the, the, so the Texans, I just want to remind people with Will Fuller, he's not currently injured, but, uh, at the beginning of this year, he's been dealing with a lot of like hernia issues and a lot of like disc issues and his concern is just it's always been there where it's like not really anything so like right now he's on the houston injury report it's still it's it's old it's from january their post but they still haven't removed him from the injury report which is kind of a little bit scary i will fuller is a player that i am very high on personally but um you know i i do think i don't know it's just something that i'm wary of when it comes to will fuller uh, the Colts, um, so on the 2nd uh, of August, uh, T.Y. Hilton was designated with, like, hamstring tightness. I think it's just because he's an old fart. I think he's going to be fine. 
Right now, reports are saying that he's ready for week one. Uh, he still has his role. The other receiver that had an issue was a concussion issue. Uh, that actually happened this week, Paris Campbell. So that is a little more relevant. Uh, you know, he is someone that people are targeting in the later rounds. Um, I would, you know, just consider that, you know, if he's still going through concussion protocol this week. This week is very important. You know, NFL starts next week. So if you're not practicing with the team this week, it could affect your starting position. Uh, I know Terrell Williams for the Raiders because Scott told Saber. Uh, oh, yeah, Tyrell Williams. Actually, yeah, I just completely forgot to even look up the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, Tyrell Williams. So he's out for the season. He He's done for the season. This actually does change things. So generally speaking, like I don't, I don't, I don't like to draft Raiders, which I know is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> Because it's it's the worst strategy ever. But again, it goes back to they. I don't draft anyone for the Vikings. Yeah, they've burned me too many times, and I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to be sitting there. I don't. I don't like to sit there on Sunday and um, root for a team that I don't want to root for. I will. I will play. I I play Raiders on my DFS lineups because I still think like they they have values, right? Or they have values. They're they're, they're going to put up points. But on my home team, I'm not trying to have any Raiders on there that having been said just to touch on on what this does for the team um this still really doesn't move the needle for Darren Waller at all uh I do think it moves the needle for Henry Ruggs a little bit and more importantly I think it there um it moves the needle big time for Brian Edwards who they drafted this year as well uh they drafted him after Henry Ruggs I think they drafted him in the third round but Brian Edwards um has been like a training camp darling where they just can't stop talking about this guy. And if you're going to have, if you're going to have Henry Ruggs in the X role, then Brian Edwards is probably going to be your slot guy. And then Hunter Renfro is still there. So because of those reasons, I'm not interested in Darren Waller. Uh, I would, you know, I would be taking, I would be willing to take a shot. If I were into the Raiders, I'd be willing to take a shot on Brian Edwards with a late round flyer. Um, I'm, I'm, maybe Henry Ruggs as well, uh, but he's going really high right now. He's going like in the eighth round, and I just don't know if I, if I would be willing to spend that capital on um, on Henry Ruggs, really. People are still really high on Darren Waller um, overall. Like, I I just don't – I feel like we don't know based on all the new options available. Like, I don't know how much of the target share he's going to have. I, I don't think – I think there's a good chance that we don't see the same production. And well, it comes down to one question is was his production last year because he's genuinely that talented or was it a side pro- or a byproduct of a situation where AB left the team. You had a lot of injuries on, you know, in the wide receiver core essentially he became the number one wide receiver or the number one receiving option for the Raiders and he got a lot of receptions. Now, he did a lot after the catch with those receptions. Uh, so there's, it's just that question. Do you believe in the talent, or do you believe that it was a cause of the situation? Um, I do believe Darren Waller is talented, but I also we went over him in the Buster Nut uh, episode where he just, when the wide receivers were available, those happened to be his down weeks. And again, if these wide receivers are going to be available, then I'm not really interested in him as, as, a, as a tight end option. At least not personally, but definitely. I agree. Uh, I, I think you know to anyone who's listening. I really do think that Derek Carr should be drafted with the one on one this year in every home league. What do you guys? One hundred percent. Definitely. I think first pick. you're stupid if you don't. As a matter of fact, yeah. 
Someone should tell Sieber that. <laughs> I mean, I heard, I think it was uh, Matthew Barry was talking about it on ESPN on how he's projected to be the number one QB this year. That makes sense. I mean, imagine imagine if you were a Raiders fan and you had the option to take him at the 101. Like that's a that's a 100%. You got to you got to jump on that. So this is this I know that this is an injury episode. That actually pretty much covers all the major injuries and, and concerns going into the, into the season. Um, but one thing so right here I have pulled up like literally every team's injury report in front of me and I will make this note that it's it's the coolest thing. There's only one team that has literally zero injuries. And in a season like this, where you're talking about who's going to be able to get their players on the, on the team or on the, on the field. Um, it's pretty interesting. Y'all know who that team is? Well, it's gotta be an AFC team. Cause you're doing the no, AFC. The uh, one injury. So that's half the league. Um, I'm going to no injuries right now. What team? The Broncos. I'm going to guess no. the Patriots. No. Uh, I'm gonna the Patriots guess, actually yeah. have a lot. What side are they on? What division? Well, I'll the say Dolphins. they're in the AFC. Who's in the AFC? The Chargers? No, not the Chargers. Who's in that division? All right. I'm not going to keep telling you the divisions. AFC? <laughs> you each get one guess. I guess. the last. Okay. <laughs> so they're in the AFC. It's not the Patriots. Not the Chargers. It's not whoever teams he brought up already. Did you guys talk about the Bucks? I know I was gone for for a minute there, but all right, I'm just gonna guess the Bucks. <laughs> no, the Bucks are in the NFC, bro. Oh shit! You just <laughs> NFC, that's true. <laughs> you wasted your pick, Lionel. Um, we go AFC South. Uh, the Steelers. Jaguars. No. <laughs> Fuck. The Dolphins? Steelers, I know, have injuries. No, it was, it's the Titans. What? So when we're talking about team construction and I mean, who's running close, the team the right way, South. right now all their O-line is healthy, all their defense is healthy, all their receiving options are healthy. A.J. Brown was missed. Like, he wasn't – he was he was uh, just doing one-on-one drills. But mm-hmm. um, he's practicing with the team now. Everything's good to go. So when you're talking about teams that are healthy, uh, that is one reason that, like – I am I am interested in AJ Brown this year. I'm very interested in you know I know I highly doubt that Derrick Henry is going to fall to me. I'm at the seven. I don't think that Derrick Henry is going to fall to me, but I love that situation for him. I love the situation for AJ Brown. I'm willing to take a late round flyer if I don't get my guys at the quarterback position. I know Ryan Tannehill is going to be there. I'll take Ryan Tannehill, and um, if I don't take my tight end guys at you know at in the earlier rounds, I know Jonu Smith's going to be there. Dude, I swear to God, my exact strategy is, hey, no matter what, I know Tannehill or Johnny Smith are going to be there at the 14th round. <laughs> See, if you get Tannehill or Johnny Smith, it's because I got my guys just before you did. Well, we don't know, right? Like Brian Tannehill and Johnny Smith. There's a possibility where both of us were like, eh, you know, we didn't, we didn't you know, reach for the potential guys we here's, wanted. Here's what I think. I, I actually... I've, I'm I've just saying it's this. funny that... Like we both had that it is same funny, idea. Here's, here's this idea that I had because I know that I know that you like Johnny Smith, and I know that I like him. I also know <laughs> that you like Noah Fant, and I like Noah Fant. So I already thought that if I if one of us drafts Noah Fant, the other one's going to end up with Johnny Smith. I That's respectable. That. Yeah, <laughs> but I do like so, I like Johnny as a, as a late round player. 
so and you know maybe i'm revealing too much but who cares i have like my quarterbacks that i'll be willing to like you know get in like the ninth tenth round and then i feel like cam will be there in the 11th and if like none of that pans out like i got Tannehill in the 13th for sure Mm. all right so uh that pretty much covers up all the injury contract talks, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Juan, did you have a wandered for us today? I did. I, uh, I tailored it. It's like not um, very analytical. It's more so just tailoring it to, you know, right before draft week. I thought this might be a little interesting to talk about. Have you ever wandered? So um, I got I got two quick topics for you guys. Um, the first one is uh, so as repeat players, you know, you guys have been in it for a while. Do you guys ever tend to get attached to players that were on your rosters last year, either players that performed really well or players that you know didn't perform to the level that they can? And how do you avoid, you know, just getting someone because of their potential slash what what you've seen them do before because they did it for you? That's what I'm wondering about. Yes. Yes, I get very attached. Uh, I get very attached to my players. Um, I know. <laughs> so it's this year. This year is the first year that I can honestly say I don't have like I'm the players that I'm targeting. I'll, a lot of them are players that I haven't had before. Not all of them, but um, there are certain players like this year. I will say it's going to be hard to see. I don't think I'm going to get Michael Thomas. He might fall to me at the seven. There's a chance, but um, if he doesn't, it's going to be painful to see him on another team. Last year, and it's always been this way for me, um, DeAndre Hopkins, seeing him on any other team, you know, he's done so much for me over the years. Seeing DeAndre Hopkins on any other team is very painful for me. Uh, and again, if you're talking about players that like you hate or despise, I will never draft another Raider again because of what Michael Crabtree did to me three years <laughs> ago in the fantasy championship. What about you, Lionel? Do you get attached to your former players? Um, so, yeah, the two that I think of are actually uh, involved with the transaction I had with Renee. Um, I, uh, so the first is Zeke, and I'm obviously dropping him, like, again, like a third pick. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I don't know why I can't remember. Mark, okay, I do remember. So uh, Zeke and Mark Andrews are, like, probably the two players that I feel like I – like have that connection with you know this year a big one for me and the thing is in a lot of the mock drafts i end up not getting him just because there's other players that i'm not super attached to but i just have higher in my in my in my rankings uh that fall to me there but um robert woods robert woods is a big one for me you know he's he's a fantastic player yes other than that they're all available for trade like whatever chris godwin it's okay, because I'm going to take him with the third pick. <laughs> so Maybe second, just give Kittle. I don't know if Kittle's. Oh, you definitely have an issue with doing that, too, because, I mean, for Chris a long Godwin time, Aaron Rodgers. Jones, Julio Jones have had them both back-to-back, and I really like them. And they've really helped me out. I'll be sad if someone takes them. Julio's a good one to be attached to. And honestly, um, this year, there something's been so anytime I do the mock drafts, I feel like um less and less do I end up with running backs in the first two rounds. It's still my goal to do running back, running back in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. But um 
the running backs that I want are going higher and higher and higher. And so what ends up happening at the seven is I'll get one of those running backs. And by the time that I'm in the second round, the running backs that are there aren't really running backs that I'm super high on. And yeah. because these running backs are going so high where I am in the draft, I'll, I will definitely have Julio Jones there. I'll have Chris Godwin there. I'll have uh, Tyreek Hill. I'll have, you know, both of the tight ends. You'll, I don't think you'll have Terry Kale, but you'll definitely have Chris Godwin. Um, you'll have the tight ends probably. So that's, I would, that's and, tricky. But the thing is, if, I have, if Julio falls to me, if I get a running back in the first round and Julio in the second, or there's a possibility that I could, but then my draft construction is going to be real sketchy. Michael Thomas in the first, Julio in the second. Dang. I would, my wide receiver that's, core would wreck, but it would be very difficult to stitch together a running back room. I think um, you could find value, but for example, well, that's what I did last year, right? I went Hopkins. I was hoping I was the 10th pick and I went Hopkins and then I was really hoping Thomas would be there like on the second round, but he wasn't. So I ended up getting Odell, which bit me in the ass because he was horrible last year. Yeah. Uh, but, but the idea was like none of the running backs that I think are worth this pick are there. So I'm not going to reach for someone that's like a late second rounder and I just got Odell instead. But anyway, um, for me, it's DJ Moore. And the reason it's it's DJ Moore is because I like I like I just explained I went heavy on wide receivers and at any point uh, last season I had Hopkins and Odell I had Hopkins and Keenan Allen I had Hopkins and Julian Elman so I just week to week I never found a place where I was like I rather play DJ Moore and I had him on my bench producing but I never really gave him a shot to play and it's like now you're so great he's, now he's going yeah high he's now he's going high. early. And he's, he's like, one of I kind of want him, but well, he's one of my nut candidates for sure. Yeah. Big so time. that that's a that's a player that I want back just because I feel like I never got to see him shine on my starting lineup. That's your own damn fault. Now he belongs to somebody else who's gonna know how to treat him right. Juan. No, I mean, okay, when you had Keenan Allen, who was the top five, he was like a top five receiver for the first six weeks. I mean, like, <laughs> no, you can draft, Andy you have can, Hopkins. You can. I'll take DJ Moore. You can have Keenan Allen. I mean, they're going around the same. <laughs> Well, Keenan no, Allen's going a little bit later, but Keenan Allen, I, he's, he's going in like player. the fourth or fifth. More, more's no, going Allen. in the fourth. More's going. Allen's in going in like the fourth or fifth. He's going in the fifth or sixth. Oh, okay. Sometimes. Yeah, so it's like a full right. round, round, round and a half difference around there. Fair enough. Um, so we can we can switch quickly to the second topic, which is pretty related. So I'm wondering or wondering, you could say, how do you guys treat <laughs> players who have the potential to play well but performed pretty badly last year? And specifically, I'm looking at the Browns because, <laughs> like, no one wants Baker Mayfield anymore. He's going really late. Odell went from, like, you know, early second rounder to, you know, potentially middle of the fourth. Um if Odell falls to me in the fourth, which I think is a possibility, it's going to be very yeah. hard for me not to take him. So um, what do you, what, and those are just two examples, right? I'm looking at one team where everyone underperformed. Um, what do you what do you do with that? How do you how do you year to year look at players who have have the skills to do better but just didn't, and then their draft stock plummets? How much do you invest in like their value versus their production from the previous year? I so I think it's really a case by case situation like let's start like if you look at the browns um odell for starters and the, let's start with the whole team 
Freddie Kitchens was arguably the shittiest head coach I've ever seen in my entire life. He should not have been given a head coaching job, period. Um, the O-line was horrible last year, and Odell was injured. All of those things combined, I mean, it explains everything. It explains everything. I actually think that the Browns are going to have a much better season this year. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but I think as uh, production-wise, uh, I think there's a real possibility when you're looking at Odell, even in the third round, which I think he's probably going to get taken in the third round just because of his name. Um, to me, he still has the upside to finish top five. He does. Especially if, if Landry's injured, they're going to they're gonna force feed him targets. And even though this is going to be a run first team, he is going to be the receiving option. Yeah, so I, I do agree that I do think it is situational. But at the same time, um, those types of players and teams do provide a lot of value. Um, so the, although the downside is more likely to happen, um, they do have that possibility of giving you high productivity just because they might be the only options on that team. And so even some teams like the Raiders, Browns, um, they do have a couple of players that didn't perform very well last year, but they do have the opportunity um, uh, under these new situations to be able to uh, actually succeed from that. So I'm, I'm not confident in the Browns and Raiders, I guess with rugs, but I, I don't know. It depends where I get them. I'd rather pick players like that very late. Um, All right, so give um, let's. Everyone here has to give a comeback, a bounce back player. David Johnson does that count? That's a good one. Yeah, I I would one. pick David Johnson. David Johnson um, is a good bounce no, I have back. I to pick player. a different one. I guess you that's have to pick Odell just because he always has that potential. So, I guess so I got a Cam. I, I want back here. Cam Newton's also a really good one. That's we talked a lot about that. Yeah, that's Emory's just pick. Cam so, Newton. real quick, um, mine with Odell, AJ Green. AJ Green. AJ Green? That's yeah. solid. Oh, yeah. Just go on. Joe Burrow. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, comeback player. <laughs> um, with Odell, though, like he hasn't finished top five since 2016, right? And we're four years removed from that now. Yeah. You know, you're not having to play, you're not paying that tag. You know, the players he's going around, they're all – DJ Moore's never finished there. He's going right around him. Uh, Calvin Ridley's never finished there. He's going right around him. Yeah, but they're a lot younger, and they've never been wide receiver ones on their Odell's teams. Odell's 27. Now. He's 27. He, that's the prime age for wide receivers, and Odell's proven talent-wise that he has what it takes to finish there. He's done it before. As far as when, you're, when you start hitting the third, fourth, fifth round, you're not taking guaranteed talent. You're taking yeah. talent that you believe could end up higher than where it's being drafted. Odell definitely fits that uh, those requirements. Someone Cream Hunt, comeback player. He's another one that could be a comeback player. There's a lot of candidates this year. A lot of candidates. Melvin Gordon would be another one. Um, although I don't think right I now, think I think he's being overvalued personally, Melvin Gordon. I agree. You know, because – they the the Broncos have come out and said we're not naming a starter. They're both the starter. And when oh, really? you say that, like I think Philip Lindsay should be moved up more in, in draft position, and I think Melvin Gordon should be moved down more in draft position. Yeah, like they should both be six rounders as opposed to like honestly fourth and yes. eighth. Yeah, I would put I would put uh, Melvin Gordon like late fifth, early sixth. Philip Lindsay like late si- late sixth, early seventh. Yeah. All right, boys. That's that's what I had for you today. Just a 
you know, getting into the mindset of drafting. I think. You got uh, any any uh, last words, AK? See you Saturday. See you Saturday, amigo. <laughs> we'll see you Saturday. Hopefully, in the in the best case scenario, I'm at home. I have my draft set up going. Worst case, I'm like at a restaurant, just like picking on my phone. Actually, be best case scenario, you're at a restaurant and you're not getting any reception. That'd be if I don't hey, well, no, because then you get the top pick, like Sieber, like. Well, auto draft's gonna win you the league. No, absolutely not. I re- I bet I rather lose than win with auto draft. <laughs> um, for real though, worst case scenario, I don't have reception. Like I can't. The, like the sleep app doesn't like load. I'm gonna text you my picks, Renee. I'm gonna be like, look, your commission. Just you can override this and pick for me. So yeah, actually, before we part, uh, I would like to make a recommendation to anybody drafting and anybody listening to this. It's really important that you, you know, if you do a mock draft or anything like that, it's so simple, but you need to have a good idea of where you, where, where you have players in your rankings, because a lot of the times you target players and they're going to get taken by other teams. So you have to have other options in every round and uh, different ideas for different players. You know, I'm very big on I will rank my running backs. I have a list of my running backs and then my rankings, uh, wide receivers, quarterbacks, all that sort of stuff. I have all that written down. Now, there, if you guys don't want to go through the troubles of that, um, there are websites like Fantasy Pro where you can literally go and get expert consensus rankings and all that sort of stuff. I believe in adding that personal touch and, and doing your own uh, ranking so that it's a little more personalized. But if, you know, to each their own. Yeah. But. I've read a, a good thing to do is if you're not willing to make your own lists, uh, just like download and print other person's lists and then literally just draw a line across where you stop seeing someone you're willing to take a certain round, right? So you draw a line for first rounders for you, draw a line for second rounders for you, et cetera. Like where you're like, okay, this guy's not worth that pick anymore. I, instead of making rankings for every position, I just made a list of every player I'm willing to take per round. Mm-hmm. And once a guy's like, once I get to a point where I'm like, I'm not willing to take this guy in this round, he'll make it to the next round and so on. And it's useful because you find out who you want, right? So maybe there's a guy that's ranked to go in the seventh, but it's like, you know what? I'm willing to get him in the sixth. That's like a guy that I know I want to target and who might be there because other people will be looking at like ADP and stuff like that. Yeah. Start doing your mock drafts, people. You can use Sleeper app. You can use um, Fantasy Fantasy Pros. They have a draft app also. Um ESPN does real mock drafts with other people if you're interested in that. But yeah, let's get, let's get ready for the draft. I'm really pumped. I can't believe that literally next Thursday we're going to get to see the Texans face off against the Chiefs. Lionel, okay. who you got in that game? I got the Texans. Yeah? Of course. Yeah. Texans are going to get pummeled. But I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I actually do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. 21-24. Will Fuller is going to be the highest scoring player in the, in the, in the game. <laughs> I think he's going to tear an ACL. First game of the season. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that is so funny. After scoring 30 points, though. So you'll still get yeah. the W. After 200 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. You'll, you'll be scrounging in the waivers, though, but you'll do it with a week one win. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, fellas. Uh, thank you all for listening and um, again start tuning in once the season starts on Wednesdays we'll be releasing the episodes later
Dude, I need the fucking Rockets to be fucking winning right now, dude. I fucking need them to be fucking winning right now. Or I'm going to go fucking berserk. I need them to be fucking winning right now. I fucking swear right now. 